Sales Tuners, Episode 52, A Year in Review. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Bertrand Russell, who said, the only thing I know is that I don't know. It is simply incredible to think we're now a year into this journey with Sales Tuners together. 52 episodes, 50 amazing guests, and more than 30,000 downloads. Wow. Over 100 emails from listeners, 58 reviews on iTunes. I could go on and on. But what I really want to do is just stop and say, thank you. Seriously, I am extremely honored that you take time out of your day to listen to my ramblings. Just last week, I was in Los Angeles attending the Podcast Movement Conference. Not only did I get to meet many other podcasters who are putting in the work to build their audience, I also got to meet in person the hosts that are responsible for lighting a fire in me to get this show started. Nick Loper from The Side Hustle Show and John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. While these guys have been mastering their craft for more than four years now, they were both incredibly humble and very generous with their time. A huge thank you goes out to the both of you. Continuing with thank yous, I still want to send a shout out to our sponsors who make this show possible. Sales Tuners, I want to tell you about Costello, a new product I've been exploring for discovery calls. One of the things I hear most from VPs of sales is their frustration with the lack of consistency and transparency from their reps in the discovery process. If that's you, you need to check out Costello. Costello guides reps to ask the right questions, provides them with dynamic suggestions, automatically updates Salesforce, and even makes it easy to form the habits that ultimately close more deals. For a demo, head to andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. Before we dive in, I want to do a money round summary. One of my favorite questions in this show is which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? Well, in this second round of 25 guests, we only had nine I hate to lose responses and an overwhelming 16 I love to win responses. To me, again, I'm the type that expects to win. So when I lose, I absolutely can't stand it. As far as books go, the number one most recommended book was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. When I did the first recap of 25 Guests, this surprised me that that book made it on the list. But this time, having four different people recommend it again, now I see why. Rounding out the other two was The Joshua Principle by Tony Hughes and The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. All great books that I now have read and highly recommend that you do the same. All right. You'll definitely want to check out the links and show notes for this one at salestuners.com slash 52. We once again pulled out each guest's biggest piece of advice, as well as links to their individual episodes. But now let's get to my top takeaways and what I learned from the second round of 25 guests and what I've been able to apply in my daily sales practice. Kicking off the second half of our first year, in episode 27, I had Jeb Blunt, the best-selling author of eight books, including the one that got me exposed to him, Fanatical Prospecting. After picking up the book only to have it sit on the top of my stack for two months, once I started it, I literally finished it in one airplane ride coming home from Puerto Rico. 
As I highlighted page after page, I knew I had to get Jeb on the show, and I'm very glad I was able to. The takeaway I got from Jeb was to remember the 30-day rule. The 30-day rule is simply a formula that comes into play regularly for most B2B salespeople. Generally speaking, any prospecting you do in a 30-day period of time has the tendency to pay off over the next 90 days. Yet this is where the anatomy of a sales slump lays its foundation. This is where a lack of prospecting can lead to no pipeline, which leads to no closed sales. And that's where the confidence gets shaken. It's ultimately the decision to stay focused and remember the end game that gets you through it. Jeb also dropped some knowledge on how to lean on and use other salespeople to your advantage. And I called in and I asked in a little bit of a different voice if I could speak to the sales department. And she sent me right through. And a guy named Gary answered the telephone and I, and I told him the joke. I said, I've just talked to your gatekeeper. I said, she's really, really good. She just annihilated me. He laughed and I said, listen, I'm just trying to get in touch with the person who handles this product. Who's the person I need to talk to there? And can you give me their extension or a phone number? And he knew exactly who to talk to. And he, you know, he sent me over there and I got through and I didn't actually get to talk to the person, but I did get their information and I was able to leave them a voicemail and I was able to give that information to the sales rep who, for whom I was calling so that down the road, he'd be able to get in there. And I find Often, not always, but often the salespeople, they A, know who's who inside their company, uh, and and B, the sales organization almost always answers its phone because they sell stuff. When we recorded episode 28, Jonathan Parrott was working for TrackMaven, but he has since moved on to Lookbook. Jonathan was one of the first people I actually witnessed taking social selling to a whole new level when he infiltrated a circle of friends I had on Twitter. You would never have known his intention by observing his activity, but in the end, he did get the deal. Jonathan talked about the need to focus on discovery. He said it's not the end zone that sales are lost, but rather at the start of the game. Your goal as a salesperson at the simplest level is to connect what you have with what a person is trying to accomplish. A lot of that starts early in the relationship as you seek to discover what it is that's driving that person. What is it they want to do? How can you help them do it? Being somewhat naive and learning as much as possible about a potential client on the front end pays huge dividends as you work toward closing deals. In episode 29, I had Morgan J. Ingram, manager of sales development at Terminus. I'm so happy this guy finally got his AirPods. Am I right, Phil Keen? But seriously, this dude is on fire. He cold called his way into his first job out of college, blazed his way through his first year as an SDR, and even created a podcast called The SDR Chronicles to share what he learned through the journey. Morgan talked about the idea of breaking the pattern. Stop and think about this for a minute. When is the last time you answered that how are you question honestly? The thought is there, but the question is stale. Instead, break the pattern by asking, what did I catch in the middle of? Whenever you're making calls, you can't sound like every other salesperson on the planet. Disarm prospects by coming out of the gate with a strong question, mirroring their tone, and taking the time to have a real conversation. I also love what Morgan had to say about multitasking and time blocking. However, when you actually hyper-focus into one thing and lock in, you can actually do better. So the thing I started doing that became just process and methodical was I would actually call demand generation managers in computer software and call them all at once within 30 minutes or an hour. So all at my only talk track and my only mindset was demand generation manager. There was no separation. So it became subconscious when I was during that hour or hour and a half or two hours, I was only calling them. 
episode 30 uh, with someone that I've admired for quite a while, Raquel Richardson, the president at Net4. And she talked about the idea of documenting and sharing what works. Raquel brought up her concept of a, a win wire, but what could you do for the closed deals that you've won? Before a case study is even relevant, how could you capture the details of why a customer bought from you? What was the business situation? What were they struggling with? Were they replacing anything? Did they pick you over another solution? What was the size of the deal? Capturing these details, win or lose, and sharing them with your team may spark some unforeseen opportunities. Steve Richard, the Chief Revenue Officer at ExecVision, joined me for episode 31, and he had the idea that you determine how successful you become. It is much more common to fail at the start than it is to become the next overnight success story. What you do with that knowledge determines the path you will take. It's up to you to decide. You own your own development. If you fail, own it. Because if you don't fail, you're never going to learn. My guest in episode 32 may just be the most process-oriented person I've talked to to date. Mary Lou Tyler, CEO of Strategic Pipeline and co-author of Predictable Revenue, as well as author of Predictable Prospect, joined me to say, you have to know when to walk away. Most of us are eternally hopeful, but it's often more prudent to be realistic. If you have a strong pipeline, work it. Don't be afraid to push back, but also recognize when something isn't working. If it's not a good fit, the square peg will not fit into a round hole over time. Make sure you have a set list of criteria that you look for in initial meetings. And if the client doesn't fit, move on. While everybody may be a prospect, not everyone is a good prospect. Recognizing that difference as early as you can is extremely helpful. Mary Lou also talked about the idea of trading discipline for habit. I was talking on the phone the other day with a colleague of mine who insists that discipline is the utmost importance, and I disagree. Discipline you will do for a certain period of time, but as things start getting great and everything's woo-woo, you're going to forget that you still need to do the discipline thing. That's why people lose weight, then gain weight, then lose weight, then gain weight. But really what you need to do is is turn that discipline into habit. It's like you're brushing your teeth every day. You prospect every day. It has to get to that level so that it's so ingrained in your DNA and so ingrained in your body that it would feel weird if you didn't prospect. Kai Shon, this chief revenue officer at Silverline, joined me for episode 33. And just so you know, he does raise jellyfish in his office And he's also had multiple Lego sculpture commissioned. It should be no wonder my top takeaway from Kai was to be unconventional. If something isn't working, consider your options. Instead of trying to do the same thing over and over again, get creative and find a way to approach the situation differently. How else could you work the sale? In what other venue? Would a conversational tweet open the door? What about a cocktail party to help break the ice? Thinking about different ways to sell your product is one of the best ways to react to the inevitable no situations that you will encounter. In episode 34, I had the self-reported best meatball maker on the planet, Joe Caprio, vice president of Inside Sales at Inside Squared. And he talked about the idea that you should work harder and smarter. Instead of debating whether to work harder or smarter, do both. There are those who will say there's no substitute for hard work, efficiency, and high conversion rates but why not work smarter as well? Once you've learned how to be efficient, don't stop there. Instead, be smart. Put your knowledge and experience to work for you by doing more of what works and less of, well, what doesn't work. Stay on your toes by mixing it up regularly and whatever you do, don't stop growing. 
In episode number 35, I had Damian Thompson, the chief sales officer at LeadFuse, who has worked with more than 200 sales professionals on four different continents. Yeah, that's some kind of travel experience. Damien talked about the idea that all interest is self-interest. Knowing your prospects is a good place to start, but often it helps to dig deeper. It helps to understand what motivates people and what makes them tick. It helps to remember that all interest is indeed self-interest. So what does that mean for you? People buy emotionally, and then they rationalize their purchase intellectually after the fact. You have to get them excited or upset about something in order to truly move them. For episode 36, I headed to the Windy City, Chicago, Illinois, to chat with Bob Perkins, founder and chairman of the American Association of Inside Sales Professionals, or AAISP. His annual leadership summit was an event that blew me away. I highly encourage anyone listening to this to seek out your local AAISP chapter or get one started if your city doesn't already have one. Bob talked about the idea, or need rather, to keep sales personal. Even though I believe we have to embrace the digital transformation upon us, we also have to understand that we are at risk of depersonalizing sales. All the tools, data, and analytics should be leveraged when appropriate, but at the end of the day, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. Differentiate yourself from both the AI movement as well as the average salesperson by showing your personality. Flip on the switch of your webcam and ask your prospect to do the same. Write emails like a human being and truly participate in the social part of social media. Bob also shared some data on the explosion of the sales profession and the help that is needed. When I talk about top challenges research, training and education has been in the top three areas of challenges that are leaders and reps. Reps have put it up in the top four for the past few years. Reps saying, help, I need development, help. They're crying out for this. And we still, you know, we still struggle with it, even with all the tools. In episode 37, I had Mary Browning, who I've worked with on multiple occasions. After leading an agency of outsourced appointment setting, she changed leagues and went to the client side where she can focus on one market as the director of sales development at Amplify. Mary talked about considering your cadence. Most importantly, how a message is delivered should be diverse. It needs to be communicated through a mix of channels, including phone, email, social, direct mail, or whatever other methods you see fit for your business. Staggering different types of communication throughout a period of time, like two weeks, for example, is one of the best ways to reach someone in the long run. In most cases, a phone call or two just won't cut it. Mary also shared some wisdom on balancing your mindset. The first thing you have to realize this is for anybody in any role, you know, specifically for SDRs, is that energy is something that runs out. And if you don't replenish it, you're actually not performing to the best of your ability. And I learned that lesson pretty hard where, you know, I was at a point in my life where it's like I was going to work, I was working through lunch, I was going home, I was working again, going to bed and working. And there's a point where you're actually not doing, you're not actually not making the best decisions for your company because your, your performance is going to get impacted. I met episode 38 guest Matt Millen at the AAISP Leadership Summit when he shared some staggering statistics. He said 50% of sales reps won't hit their quota. 65% of their day is spent on non-selling activities. And 99% of all leads will never transact. Talk about a crisis mode. Now, the Senior Vice President of Revenue at Outreach, Matt talked about how all sales is BS. 
belief system that is, and that you must believe in something. It's different for everyone, but one tried and true belief system focuses on the importance of having a story, being active, and having a positive mindset. Great sales reps live and breathe their business. They tell a story with passion, conviction, and soul. They are active in conversations and they believe in their heart that their product, that their business is going to help whoever they are selling it to. Episode 39 brought my first explicit tag in iTunes to the show as Keenan, the self-proclaimed chief antagonist of A Sales Guy, brought the most energy I've had from any guest thus far. It's Keenan's belief that it's not all about learning. It's about how you apply what you love and who you are to what you do. While you need to understand your product, it's more important to know how to sell than it is to know all the technical features and benefits of your offering. Comparing sales to fitness, you can educate yourself all you want about what it takes to get a perfect six-pack, but none of that matters until you start applying that knowledge. Application and execution are the most important part of the puzzle. Keenan continued with what he called the true definition of a sales leader. No one sits and says, Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? I I love what I do. I'm phenomenal at it. I developed four of the five guys that started working into my organization. Now are running different divisions elsewhere. You know, one of the guys that worked for me, he's now over at XYZ kicking my butt from a competitive perspective, right? No one talks like that. No one gets excited and brags about the people they developed yet. That's the true definition of a sales leader. That's the true definition of being good at sales coaching and development. In episode 40, I had David Dulaney, the founder at TenBound and also host of the Sales Development Podcast. David had the notion that you should go for no. It's one thing to know you're going to hear no a lot. It's something else entirely on how you approach it. Instead of making a goal to set five appointments, make a goal to get 100 people to tell you no. Now, even if you hit your goal of five appointments, you have to keep going because you haven't gotten your 100 no's. Want to see the immediate impact of this? For the next week, try to get 20 no's a day in your personal life. Ask for your coffee for free. Ask for a discount on your lunch. Ask your cable provider if they can lower your bill. You'll be surprised what happens when you just start asking. David also talked about the formula he believes to be responsible for the silent sales floor. Okay, I need a sales development team. Buy a bunch of tools. Hire a bunch of people. Put them in the sales floor and you know, hey, just add water, get some results. And the phenomenon of the silent sales floor happens where it's basically a bunch of people sitting around trying to figure out what the heck is going on with all these things and how they work and how they use them and stuff like that. For episode 41, I was joined by my first guest recording our conversation on a boat. Todd Muffley had recently sold his business and was relaxing off the coast of North Carolina on a sailboat named Exhale. Todd enlightened me on the concept of understanding the curse of knowledge. You know what they say about making assumptions, right? Don't do it. Why? Because aside from the obvious negative consequences, the knowledge in your head may be harder for others to comprehend than you think. It's easy to assume that because you have domain knowledge, everyone does. Unfortunately, that's simply not the case. It's always better to start fresh and build upon a mutual understanding than to assume you're already on the same page. At the beginning of today's episode, I gave a shout out to Nick Loper for being one of the catalysts behind me starting this podcast. Well, in episode 42, I actually re-aired the conversation I had with Nick on his show, The Side Hustle Nation. I covered a lot of topics during our conversation about how every person in the world is a salesperson, 
But one specific takeaway I had was how to write emails that get responses. Your subject line is the most important piece with the sole goal of getting the recipient to open the email. A few of the things I've seen work include using three words or less, not capitalizing the first word, asking a question, and using the prospect's first name. But getting a response is another story. The body of the email should be short and not about you. Your prospects don't care about you because they don't know you. Instead, focus on what you think their problem could be and how others have solved similar challenges. Joining me for episode 43 was Scott Kramer, the vice president of sales at Greenlight Guru, where he's seeing an entirely different challenge for the first time in his career, having to sell to high C's on the disc profile. Scott talked about salespeople needing to stop trying to wing it. Just because people fall under the category of influencers doesn't mean they've earned the right to just wing it. Buyers will let you own the process if you're willing to, meaning if you have a structured process, if you're working someone through a pain funnel and articulating your next steps, your audience will typically let you work. It's when you just try to wing it that that system breaks down and you ultimately lose control over the sales process. I was flattered when episode 44's guest told me that I would actually do a great job at cold calling. I came across Lauren Wadsworth after a LinkedIn article she posted about using personalized video in sales outreach went viral. Lauren is the global sales development manager at Dynamic Signal, and she talked about ditching the buzzwords and generalities. Quit trying to make everything scale. Paul Graham wrote a great blog post all about intentionally doing things that don't scale. When you try to stuff a script with all the features and benefits of your product, while combining that with every possible use case you solve, you end up appealing to no one. Try to bucket your prospects into groups of known challenges and then speak directly to them in the phrases that they use to describe the problem they need solving. Lauren shared some staggering results, having achieved a 37.5% response rate for her video outreach and a 12.75% meeting rate. I thought, oh my goodness, of course, this is genius. Nobody cannot open a video. First of all, if they open it and they see me talking to them and being super friendly and asking them for a quick meeting, how can they say no to that? I mean, that's so, the face-to-face interaction is huge. It's really hard to say, say no to somebody when you see their face and they're much more humanized. Episode 45 was a fun one for me as I got to talk to Kyle Porter, the founder and CEO of SalesLoft. Kyle's journey has been an amazing one, including growing his company to more than $6 million in ARR only to shut down the core product and pivot it into an adjacent market. Now, that takes courage. Kyle talked about how to break through the clutter. He said nearly everyone is on email overload these days, and there are apps and filters galore that stand between your message and your desired audience. While the first thing you need to do is stand out with a catchy email subject line, getting a response to your outreach should follow four steps. One, show the pains of the organization. Two, hypothesize solutions. Three, define clear next steps. And four, demonstrate persistence. Kyle also talked about how the first person that needs to be sold is typically the salesperson themselves. Because if you believe something deep down in your core, one of my favorite quotes on selling is that this industry that we're talking to, we're talking about today on the podcast that I love, that you love, that I've been doing my whole life, this industry requires three things, a fundamental belief in yourself, a fundamental belief in your product or service or offering, and then a fundamental belief in the company you represent. And then all sales is, is transferring that belief to someone else. 
In episode 46, I had Cody Lehmans, the head of sales at Tiny Pulse, and he talked about striving to be a sales professional, not just a sales rep. And you can do that by taking advantage of opportunities. There's a short window of time to take advantage of every opportunity. If you wait until an opportunity presents itself, it's already too late. Seek out chances to learn, be more efficient, and give 100% from the get-go so you're never in a position to wonder what might have been. Doors open on a daily basis, but oftentimes they are short and they are small. It's crucial to take advantage of them while they're still there. In episode 47, I had David Duncan, the vice president of sales at Epos Now. Starting out as the first employee of the company, David has led Epos into international expansion by setting tough, aggressive targets. Now, I've always struggled with the concept of quota and quota attainment. Yes, of course, we have to have goals for ourselves, but in my opinion, these should be the minimum expectations, not the end results. Whether your quota is 100000 or $1 million, set your targets more aggressive. For instance, if you set an outlandish number of, say, 10x your goal, and you build your prospecting plan from there, you're going to easily overshoot all expectations and leave your company wondering where they even got that number to begin with. In episode 48, I had Justin Fight, the chief sales officer at Lessonly. One of the things I found interesting about Justin was how he spent the early part of his career doing stand-up comedy on the side, making fun of the sales managers who hired him. Justin talked about needing to anchor capabilities to value. Once you've been in sales for at least 10 minutes, you've heard someone tell you to sell the solution, not your features and benefits. Yet every single day, I hear reps explaining how a prospect can accomplish a task simply by clicking on a couple of buttons. Stop it! There's a reason you've never received a demo of Amazon.com. You're not there to learn how to click buttons. You're there to get your problem solved. Justin and I also discussed why sales managers end up falling into the trap of generalized blanket sales training. Your typical manager is 8 to 12, maybe 14 direct reports. Where do they spend their time? If, if their goal is to optimize the performance of the team, where do they spend their time? And if you don't know where to spend your time, you do blanket training. Let's train everybody on, the, on competition, on negotiation. That's really less, less, less impactful than being able to say a single rep is struggling to, con, uh, to understand these aspects of our sales process. For episode 49, I had Dan Fantasia, the president at Treeline. And if you listen to Dan's backstory of being a ski bum in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, traveling the country, living out of a van, and even backpacking overseas, you'll clearly see that he is the epitome of the top takeaway I had, which is write your own rules. If you're going to be a consultative salesperson, you must empower yourself. You must be able to think on your feet without sounding like a robot. You're not always going to be able to have someone whispering in your ear or reading off of a script. So when you see something wrong, fix it. One of the biggest challenges I've had to overcome is thinking about what everyone else expected of me and trying to prove something to them instead of charting my own path. For episode 50, I had another guest from across the pond, Richard Smith, co-founder and head of sales at Refract, joined me to say, sales meetings are not coaching sessions. Every sales team has a weekly call. The reality is, for most, this is nothing more than a transfer of information meeting, debriefing the week that was, and getting updates for the week to come. Coaching is improved performance, and no sales meeting I've ever been in does that. 
Instead, let's work on getting into specific details of opportunities by way of what happened during the sales calls, the words that were actually used, role-playing objections that could have been handled another way, or client stories to use as references in certain scenarios with context. Breaking down those areas of improvement, just like an elite athlete, could be the difference between a promotion and interviewing for other companies. And wrapping up our second batch of 25 guests, in episode 51, I had Mike Julian, who joined me from Vidyard. Mike entered the job market just as those of us in the United States were experiencing the 2008 economic downturn. Never one to shy away from adversity, Mike had a mentor suggest to him that he should move to Asia, and that's just what he did. Mike talked about the idea that effort plus execution plus empathy is what's needed today. It used to just be a numbers game, he said. You put in the work, you made your calls, you sent your emails, and it produced results. Then everyone started ramping up the volume. Today, you have to not only put in the effort, but also apply strategic execution and have empathy for your buyer. Have you done your homework? Do you understand the real challenges they're having? Do you actually care? Prospects buy from us because they believe we can get them to a place they can't get to on their own. There it is. 25 guests sharing valuable lessons they've picked up along the way. Now it's your turn. These were my top takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. And before I go, if you've made it this far, will you do me one more favor? Your reviews on iTunes help grow this audience more than any other tactic there is. Would you be willing to leave a five-star review today? I've made it super easy. Just go to SalesTuners.com slash review and you'll be in and out in less than 46 seconds. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there. And they stay there. Why do we sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game when we're already there? <laughs>